ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 99 of the Dynasty Junkies. We are almost at the 100th episode, and I know we have big things ahead. I am Bobby Koch at Rec Fantasy. I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Sidlow. Scott, how are you doing tonight? What's up, Bobby? Glad you're uh, you're doing the A thing tonight, man. This is awesome. Yeah, it's been a while since I've hosted a podcast, and so we'll see how uh, rusty I am because I'm now used to being the guy who just gets to color comment, and it's definitely a different vibe. Uh, that said, I am very excited to have our guest on. I've talked to him on the Twitter machine for a long time, but never had the pleasure of actually podcasting with him, and it's my friend David Zach and David let the listeners know a little bit about yourself. I can do an intro for you, but I think it's better just coming directly from the source. Sure. Yeah. And thanks for having me on too. It's nice to, nice to be able to talk to you live instead of just over the messaging. And I've heard a lot of your podcasts and I, I like what you do. You got very, very sound reasoning behind everything that, uh, that you're uh, working with, so I like that a lot. Um, just so, Bobby, we're gonna clarify. Just Bobby has sound reason. <laughs> okay, I just met Scott today. He sounds no like sound reason very... over here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just to met him, it sounds like he plays in far far more leagues than I do, and he's very successful at it. So curious to get uh, get to know his process a little more too. But uh, yeah, I started about four years ago, three four years ago. Um, the first article I ever did was the Fantasy Z score, which was my rookie model. It, uh, it did not do well that first year, but <laughs> since then I've been uh, creating new models, doing new things. So I, I focus on pretty much all areas, whether it's Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, weekly lineups, all that stuff. So I'm definitely a, a data head guy. I like my models. I trust them a lot, and that's kind of how I draft off of too. So it's worked well for me. Um, Got a good uh, playoff rate, I would say, whether it's Dynasty and Redraft and stuff like that. I had bad winning luck last year, I will say, though. So I need to work on my playoff matchups a bit better. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the gist or the short part of it. So thanks again for having me on. Yeah, and I will say on David's behalf, he's being a little humble um, just because. So, you know, when you come on a podcast, David, something you do is you hype up all of your achievements and also where you write and podcast and things of that nature. So, <laughs> David is a writer with Fantasy Pros and Dynasty Nerds, but I think the thing that will really get people's attention is among all the Fantasy Pros rankers in 2020, David was the number one accuracy ranker for wide receivers. So when David talks wide receivers in particular, you should probably be paying attention to him. And I say that also because, and I have this in our uh, notes that, and just from talking to him, I know he's got the jersey somewhere. 
David is yeah. a uh, Wandale Robinson fan. And so, you know, number one wide receiver accuracy, talking about one of my guys on the Giants. So I'm just saying there might be something there. Yeah, so every uh, every year for the past three years since I started the Z-score, I uh, I buy my favorite rookie wide receiver's jersey. So the first year I bought Justin Jefferson, who's now Dynasty wide receiver one, let's say, maybe two. To do my worst. Yep. Yeah, and then the next year I bought Rashad Batemans, who jumped up, oh, yes. I think, 12 yes. spots in ADP this offseason with Marquise Brown getting traded. And then this year I was waffling between Garrett Wilson and Wandale Robinson, and I decided to go with Robinson. He's got with the little guy, huh? Yeah, he, I just I'm adamant he's got a first round profile, and people are just knocking him so hard because of his size and the landing spot with the Giants. I know Bobby's excited about his Giants with uh, bringing Brian Dobble in, and I am too. I think uh, I think they're going to use him well, and his stats are just ludicrous from Kentucky last year. It was it was insane. I don't. I don't know how he can fly this far under the radar with what he just did last year, but people don't like that he's small, I guess. So <laughs> I will also add when I was feeling kind of bad about the pick because I did initially feel that it was a reach. It was David and his models who made me feel a little bit better. He was basically like, don't <laughs> use height as an arbitrary cutoff because here's what my models are oh saying. And gosh. it was all these like amazing players. And I was like, yes, thank you, David. This is exactly the sort of optimism that I needed. Yeah, people are using one inch of difference to separate him from Elijah Moore and Marquise Brown and a bunch of other 5'9 receivers, but he's 5'8", so he can't succeed because that one inch is everything, I guess. But, no, it's just crazy. I, I hate when people post a chart and here's all the 5'8 and under, so just not even taking an average spread, just everything under that. So it's just a heavy selection bias there. That's why you have to have a model. That's you have right. To have those data points, right? I mean, yeah. that's... That's huge. I mean, that's why I listen to guys like you. And and that's why I say, don't listen to me. I have no substantive evidence as to why I like someone. <laughs> no, that can't be true with the success you've had, I would think. <laughs> this also gets into some of like the recent news. I, and I know this wasn't on our sheet, but I'm just bringing it up of like Najee Harris essentially just talking about that he's never at his listed weight, but people freaking out about him not being at his listed weight. It's kind of a similar thing where like we as fantasy players are like, oh my God, this guy is slightly less fat than he normally is. That means he won't be able to muscle through defenders. Or we go the other way. He's slightly fatter than he normally is. He won't be able to run as fast. <laughs> and we think we know all these things based on their body types. And honestly, we just generally don't. I mean, don't get me yeah. wrong. I understand that Wondell, even if you really do buy into the height thing, he would be an outlier. But it is just such an arbitrary cutoff that I agree with you. Right. I'm willing to wait to see what happens on the field. Yeah, I will say that Tony was a guy that I completely avoided and had zero shares. For me to have zero shares is pretty much, I mean, that's that's really hard to do, honestly, um, with as many leagues I'm in. Uh, but I did not feel the same way about Wandale. I wasn't like necessarily a big Wandale guy, but sorry for the big small joke there. But um, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hate him again because of guys like David that have these models that say, listen, he hits these certain benchmarks. I mean, we have to look for those outliers and then it's all about cost. So, I mean, if you're saying we have to take him at 108, well, then I'm, I'm out because it's unlikely that he's going to hit. But if we're talking 208, you know, or even later than that, then I'm definitely going to have a few shares. I think I ended up with three or four. Um so not a ton, but it's about 10%, you know, well, 
Across your league, Scott, where did you generally find that he went? Just because I know in talking with David, we were finding that he did seem to go in that like 208 or sometimes even later range. Or some people were getting him in the third round, but I'm curious what you were seeing. Yeah, um, 208 was, uh, I think actually my ADP here, I had him at, um, yeah, 208. It was like 208.8, so you could say, or 288. So, yeah, you could say 209 um, overall in my leagues. And I did, the shares that I picked up were generally in the early third um, because, you know, again, once guys starts falling that far, a third-round pick isn't any more likely to hit than, you know, it's like an 11% hit rate anyway. So you might as well take a guy that has, you know, the draft capital that he has and everything else. Um, So at that point, I'm definitely not avoiding him. and I would see that as a good value. Um, I think the highest I took him was two o or two eleven. So two eleven to three o two is where I took him, but two o nine overall. Yeah, that feels like a great value to so, me. I will say in yeah. my leagues, when you got to the two o eight range, it just felt like what guys are you taking over him? Um, that yeah, said, upside profiles are just completely different. It feels like. Yeah, absolutely. He There were just some guys, and I won't get too much into it, that were taking above him in rookie drafts that I just thought he has way more upside. His floor even feels safer than those guys, so I didn't fully understand it. But I also don't necessarily want to turn this into the Wandale Robinson podcast <laughs> or just the Giants podcast. Would be so, fine by me. I like talking about him a lot. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I will say, uh, for the benefit of our audience, so David has essentially staked his career on Wandale working out. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going that far. <laughs> I would maybe go as far as to say he will gain at least some value in a year. I'll go that far, but I don't know what's taking the entire career. I, I could I could have sworn I saw a tweet from you that was basically like, I will delete my account if this doesn't work out. Oh, my God. I spent like a month straight just tweeting out uh, facts about Wandale, his profile, and then bashing anybody that uh, did the 5-8 and under trick and all that stuff. Showed a video of him at the press conference table where they shrunk him down to like peewee size, <laughs> which is really funny, but... <laughs> they're just they're just overplaying it. And to what you said earlier, like whether it's weight or height or camp videos, uh, if you're drafting all off season long, that's kind of where the there's some good values to be had when people overreact like that. You do see ADPs shift a bit, and then you can just be waiting there because that doesn't change my projection at all and stuff like that. So it, it creates some good uh, good value windows during times like that. I think. You heard it here first. If it doesn't work out, David Zach will be wearing a bag over his head that says, I'm not a fantasy analyst anymore. He'll reimburse your buy-in. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's transition into some other questions, more about you as a player, David, because we want our audience to get to know you. So before the show, coincidentally, we were talking a little bit about redraft versus dynasty and what your preference is. Both Scott and I somewhat acknowledge we don't really play redraft much anymore. I'm actually starting a league for my workmates just because it's something easy for me to do to get brownie points with them. And so that will be my only redraft. Um, That said, do you prefer redraft or dynasty, David? And why do you prefer one format over the other? So I feel like it's uh, sacrilegious to go on a show called Dynasty Junkies and answer with redraft, but <laughs> that, that's where my mind is. Sorry, that's we want I, you to be honest. 
<laughs> That's what I started with, and I I do think it builds a a really good foundation for Dynasty because everything I use in Dynasty is built off of my redraft models for the most part. Like I got I my rookie profiles and and such, but it really helps for like win now windows and tanking windows, knowing a guy's career arc stuff like that because age factors into all my redraft models as well, which is a big much bigger factor in Dynasty, right? So that's that's the part I like a lot. And I like the uh, being able to change up my roster a lot. So I'm not in as many as many leagues as Scott there. So I like to <laughs> have the higher turnover of players. So if I change my mind on someone, I can easily get them in a redraft league the next year, right? Whereas in Dynasty, you got to pay quite a big premium because whenever someone's on someone's roster in Dynasty, they take, I don't know, his value and increase it by like, 50%, 20%, I don't know. It's a big number. So in order to trade for them, you got to pay up a lot more than in just the regular ADP cost. So that part gets tough for me in, in leagues that don't uh, trade as much. And that gets kind of stagnant for me, but I know you got to work at it. And I am one of the most active traders in most of my dynasty leagues, for better or for worse. People get insulted by my offers and stuff like that, but it happens. So I, I try not to get offended by anything, but... It is more work and and more of a a good feeling when you are able to pull off a good trade though and the guys you bet on hit is a lot more rewarding in dynasty i would say so like obviously my justin jefferson rashad bateman wandell robinson who's a guaranteed hit of course they just they just feel much better when they hit because you got a lot staked into a guy you drafted him in lots of spots you watch his career grow it's like watching your own little child grow out there so yeah, I totally hear you. That's one of my favorite parts of Dynasty. Um, we've talked about this before that in my first ever Dynasty startup draft, I took Brandon Cooks as a rookie and he just <laughs> oh, continually yeah. smashed for me. So then I was like, Brandon Cooks is my boy. I will pay yeah. you whatever it takes to get him on my roster if he's not on my roster. If you're in my, a league and I don't have him and you're listening, that's not actually true anymore. I've become a bit more reasonable. But that said, um, it's definitely a great feeling. And, you know, I back when I wrote for Dynasty League Football, I did write a couple articles about, like, essentially second or, or wide receivers who I thought would break out based on just some first-year stats. And it had a really good trend for a while of, like, Juju increases ADP. Um, I think I wrote about Waddle before – or Waddle was probably after my time. But I know I wrote about a few guys who increased in their ADP. And so that's why I love Dynasty is because you get really invested in the players' careers. But to your point about redraft, would it be nice to be able to get players on my roster that I don't typically in Dynasty because they're ridiculously overvalued at this point? Absolutely. It's just for me, I don't like not being able to think about the future of the team. There's just a disconnect there for me. And that's why I don't typically play uh, redraft anymore. Scott, is that similar for you or is there another reason that you just don't typically play redraft anymore? I mean, part of it is most redraft leagues, you know, they're, they're going to be ESPN, Yahoo, whatever. And it's one quarterback and it's just, I mean, it's the same, it's the same strategy over and over again. You know, it's, it's one quarterback. There's no tight end premium. Um, you know, I end up with all the same players, you know, and it's just, it's, things go well and you win that's great or you know things don't go well and then it's like week six and you're like well this sucks you know whereas if it's dynasty then i can start doing something about it you know i can start selling some bets or 
you know, whatever. Right. And so <clears throat> I just think, you know, all the, all the fun stuff that you get to do, um, you don't really get to do in redraft. You know, a lot of times it's like a work league or a home league or it's, you know, whatever. And somebody trades, you know, I don't know, whatever, like <clears throat> CMC and Barkley for, you know, wh- whatever hot random guy somebody picked up off waivers, you know, and it's like, <laughs> the hell is this? Right. And so I just, I don't, I don't know. Um, I think I just lost interest because I started trying to get into like different, more challenging leagues and I, it, it just never, it, you, you don't really get rewarded for putting in the time or the effort of, you know, especially like a Justin Herbert. That was that was such a big year for me, just smashing Herbert in every league and then watching him. I, I never could have imagined he'd be like a top three asset, right? But look what that did for my dynasty portfolio. Whereas what the hell did that do for my redraft? It did nothing. Like I, I didn't even win a league because of it, you know? Um, you know, Alvin Camaro, and I was taking him in the last round of every redraft league, right? And then he comes through and, okay, the next year you have to use a first-round pick if you want them on your team again. You know what I mean? So it's just like I, I would I would rather um, suffer my uh, Hakeem Butlers and, you know, <laughs> celebrate my Justin Herberts, you know, than, than just wiping it out the next year and whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm in one league that I've been in for 15 years, something like that, um, which is fun because we all do a basketball league together and we all do a football league together. And so like something like that's kind of fun. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> dynasty's my place, man. That's that's why I'm here, right? Yeah, there's a reason you're on a podcast called Dynasty Junkies. That said, <laughs> before all the redraft people come after us, I will say I have definitely seen, to, well, to Scott's point, most of the redraft leagues I've seen tend to be more casual. I've definitely seen some pretty intensely competitive redraft leagues. It's just by and large, I do think the people who tend to be super into it because they are super into it, look for leagues that tend to be year round and those are dynasty. And so you tend to find more competitive players, at least from my experience in dynasty leagues. And that's part of what I'm drawn to, but honestly, and I'm borrowing from uh, our trade addicts uh, father pod or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but it's just brother podcast. Yeah. Brother podcast, podcast, father podcast, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, but Russ always talked, Russ is like the nicest person and will never say anything mean about anything. And I think his like go-to line is basically just like, do what you enjoy. And that's how I feel about the whole like redraft versus dynasty debate. I see people on Twitter, like really getting into it. Like, Oh, the dynasty crowd is so mean to the redraft crowd or like the redraft crowd is just like, they don't know anything or whatever and it's like no just everyone do what you enjoy there's none right. not necessarily better than the other they're actually when you really get down to it they're almost entirely different games so comparing them is not really the i mean don't get me wrong they still score points the same but the way they're structured they're just intended to be played somewhat differently even if there are i do agree there are redraft elements that are very heavy and influential in dynasty and can help your mindset there and vice versa but i just don't think the comparison actually really helps anyone i just like to get to know whether people prefer one format of the other because i like to get to know people that said david you talked a little bit about trading and so we want to get an idea of do you like drafting better or do you like trading because there are some people i know who you know every time you talk to them 
they're in a new underdog puppy. And I don't even know what that is. I just have heard the term puppy so many times. And because I don't do like best ball drafts or DFS or any of that stuff. But like every single time they're like, oh yeah, I'm doing a new puppy right now. And I'm like, that's a weird sentence. I think that means that you're starting up a draft. And then there's other people like Russ Fisher, who I mentioned earlier, who's like, I'm bored. I'm going to make a trade. Are you more in line with Russ? Or are you more in line with the people who are constantly doing puppies? Or are you somewhere in between? So, yeah, like you said, they're kind of different animals. They each have their uh, benefits and drawbacks, like we all kind of talked about. Um, uh, yeah, for me, when I get bored, I tend to trade more, if that makes sense. So if I'm looking for something to do, then I actively seek out trades. Or if I, or like once I go through my dynasty route, rosters and then kind of evaluate everything then i go into trading more if i need to need to push in my chips to win now or like i said tank but uh drafting is probably what i like the most it's uh it's fun to find the values in a draft it's it's kind of like a living breathing animal when you're in it because everybody's doing a different build right so you have to watch what each team is doing you got to watch how players are going which positions are doing what so i really i really enjoy that part plus a lot of my I models and stuff like that are comparing against the ADP. So I like, I like that battle of finding the diamonds in the rough all the time, every year, year after year in each draft. And I, I go pretty heavy on players. I like players, I think who are good values and, you know, pays off, pays off big when it hits. And most of the time I can still squeak into playoffs without it, with some good waiver ads and stuff like that. But no, I, I really do enjoy drafting. I, get in the zone in there and they're not hardly thinking about anything else but it's the same with dynasty startups i guess and trading's a lot more work but like you said a lot really rewarding when it pays off when you when you find that right trade and then you make the investment in the player and then you get to keep them for 10 years or whatever it is so yeah and ideally you ideally you would have the best of both worlds i guess and to me that's the rookie draft because everyone in your there dynasty you league is paying attention during the rookie draft because it's at least one of the few times during the year you can guarantee that everyone's logging into the site. And so then you're both drafting, but you can also make trades to trade in and out of the draft. And so I know that's somewhat of a cop-out answer, but that's my personal <laughs> favorite is rookie draft season because then I'm both drafting and trading. If push came to shove, I would say probably trading for me. I'm just more confident in my ability to trade well than to draft well. And since I like the things that I think I do well, as I think most normal humans do, I tend to uh, lean towards trading. Although I do think the longer I've been in my dynasty career, if you want to call it, um, I've actually think I've gotten worse at trading, if that's possible, because normally you think you get better with experience, <laughs> but I think somehow I've gotten worse over time. Instead of learning from mistakes, you lean into them, what you're saying? Yeah, it's also <laughs> just like, I don't necessarily, I, I will fully acknowledge that I just, for when I first started out, I was so excited that I would trade all the time and sometimes would, you know, luck into some really good trades essentially. Mm -hmm. And now that I've been doing it for a number of years, I'm not really forcing myself as much to think creatively about how to make trades. And so I think sometimes I get stuck in these ruts. All I will say, I go on heaters sometimes where I'll make like five or six trades in a row in the same league. But then there are other times where I might go like, I don't know, six or seven or even eight months without mm -hmm. making a single trade because my brain's just stuck on like, what do I even do with this team? Right. And thankfully, yeah. I mean, I'm leading into this later, but we do host a podcast where we have a find me a trade segment. So maybe I need to start submitting some of my teams <laughs> to our own podcasts and help myself find some trades. 
about it's you, not, Scott? I mean, you, that's definitely. Uh, I mean, it gets sometimes it gets stale when you look at it. You need a different set of eyes, right? You just need to get somebody else to look at it and go, "Yeah, you're an idiot. You could easily make this deal, or you should definitely move this guy." Right? You just you don't think about it because you've looked at your own roster four thousand times. Um, but yeah, I mean. <clears throat> going back to just redraft in, in general and just everybody kind of doing their own thing. Like I, I think we all, my whole thing was I got obsessed with redraft and I wanted to get better. So I joined keeper leagues, right? Because I wanted more year round stuff. And then that's when I got into dynasty. So keeper made me better at redraft and then dynasty made me better at keeper. And then now I got into Debbie because that's getting my rookie values more in line and figuring out where I want to go with that. So um i think it's just if you become obsessed like i am i mean i have an addictive personality so like thank god that this is my addiction <laughs> instead of something else um and so you know i just kind of went down the rabbit hole i mean now if i'm you know scouting the uh neighborhood pickup game of like nine to 12 year olds you know we i might have a problem and we might need to do something about that but uh, as for now, I'm enjoying my Debbie and C2C leagues, which are helping me value the future classes. And so, I mean, I think, yeah, I'm always going to be in a little bit of everything. But at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, Russ is right, man. Just play what makes you happy. And if that's an eight-team league where everyone's stacked, then by all means, you know, do, do what also, you want to do. You're telling us you don't keep a spreadsheet of your neighborhood kits? Should I get rid of mine? I'm just kidding. I should be clear, I do not have a spreadsheet. Trust me, I am already, you know, I, I've got the kids. We're going to get them. Uh, I mean, we're going to work on scholarships. Hey, I'll just say, you know, Jim Harbaugh was at the high school here where my kids are going to go, and they currently have a player starting on the offensive line over there. So, um, you know, we like to like to keep that pipeline going. I will fully that. acknowledge that while I don't keep a spreadsheet on my neighborhood kids, I did see one of them throwing a football in the park, and I thought, oh, he's got a good arm on him. And then I thought, <laughs> I, I need to walk away now. This is too much. <laughs> uh, David, I'm assuming that you haven't done that yet or done that with your own kids. No, I tried scouting once, and uh, uh, it was Hakeem Butler. That you mentioned earlier. <laughs> that was just the greatest thing ever. Man, like, he got a lot guy. of people, man. Just grabs cornerbacks, tosses them away, one-handed grabs. Hands were bigger than television screens out there. <laughs> Goodness sakes, he looked awesome. But no, he got me, and I never scouted film after that. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, I used to think that I knew what I was talking about when it came to college quarterbacks. And then I put my stamp on Josh Rosen. So we've all been there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah I, I trust my guys like Lance Zerling and Jared Wackerly and Dynasty Price and them guys. And they that's got, right. They that's do right. Good. They do, they when do they good go work. to the senior, he's got really good break counts. Yeah. I definitely am not a film person. And I'm also not an analytics person, to be honest. It's why I just make friends with people so I can steal what they're smart at and then hopefully combine it into something that makes sense for me. Absolutely. Well, well, so David, I know that you took on a project this year that I've taken on in the past and I told you I would never take on again because it was absolute hell. So kudos to you for taking it on, but 
as we understand that you've just finished up your 32 team projections. Yeah. And also really quick to my own point about Brandon Cooks earlier, another thing that made me never let him go was when I did these projections, I was basically on the money with his receptions, his his receiving yards and touchdowns. Right. Even though if you ask me about all my other projections, they were completely wrong, but I got one right. And that's all <laughs> that matters. But so that well, said, walk us a little through your projection process, how you do it, and also whether that helped you identify some undervalued players based on your projections and also overvalued players. Sure. So, yeah, they released this morning. Um, yeah, it was it was a hellacious process. Getting started is the is the worst part about it because you got to get that first team and you got to get the layout and you got VLOOKUP formulas looking across all your spreadsheets and stuff like that. So I got a running back model that does redraft. I got a wide receiver model that does redraft and then I got my team models. So I kind of blended them all together and that's how it started. But yeah, that first, uh, I think it took like two two weeks to get the first team going and I was working on it quite a bit each week. So once I got that first one down and that wasn't even close to finished, as you go through, you realize mistakes that you've had because it's adding up different teams and you got different factors. You got rookies, you got, you need to account for growth a little more in team projections as, as players develop and, you know, Marquise Brown gets shipped off. So Bateman goes up again, of course, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a big process and I'm glad I, I'm glad I did it. I've been wanting to do it for a while and it helps you, paint a more realistic picture I would say because anybody can say like yeah DeAndre Swift is awesome like his fantasy stocks going through the roof but when you paint a full picture I mean he still looks really good right but there's there's only so many points and so many touches to go around in a backfield so uh, Vegas helps a lot I use offensive line projections for him I was gonna uh, ask to- if you used Vegas okay yep that's uh probably one fifth one sixth of it for the team projections I use their win total to help account for yards and points scored per game. And then I use offensive line changes. So as you know, the 32nd ranked offensive line is supposed to grow or they get additions. I track guys like uh, four for four, the score. And I forget what my third one is right now, but I take the average of those three and then see how many position ranks their offensive line as a unit is growing. And that's been pretty predictive in points per game as well. So that's part of it. Uh, head coach, offensive coordinator changes. A lot of times when you get a coaching change, you just regress to league average. So bad teams with coaching changes, I'm pretty bullish on most of the time because that's step one of them coming around and that translates to fantasy points for their players normally. Uh, and then one thing that Lord Reeves uh, turned me on to was yards per touchdown efficiency of a team, not just a player. So I use that as well. So if a mm. team you know, scored only you know, let's say 20 some touchdowns in a year, that's crazy low and had oodles of yards, you know, averaging 250 plus yards a game, then they should have scored a lot more touchdowns. So, right, right, right. Gotcha. So you use that to kind of back predict how many they should have scored and how that'll translate into this next year. And then of course, uh, big player shifts, like adding uh, Deshaun Watson to the Browns, if he even plays, is is going to change their entire philosophy as a team, even with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt there. Like, they're going to pass a lot more. They got Amari Cooper as well. They're drafting David Bell. Like, they're going to become a lot pass heavier. So you have to take away from guys like Chubb and Hunt and stuff like that. 
So how did I got? I have two specific questions that, um, one I I had in mind, and the other one I kind of just thought of here, but they kind of tie in together. So sure. let's say you take uh, you you say major changes, and you also say or player changes, and also coaching changes. So a team yeah. like Las Vegas, right? They have a new coach now, and they have new players. So how do you are you essentially assigning values to each of those things and they'll all kind of conglomerate together? Um, or are, are you kind of looking at that as a whole and going, you know, we might have a little bit of McDaniels, so maybe it's not the best example, but sometimes like, um, you know, Chicago, for example, uh, we have no idea what that he's that guy's going to do. So like, what, what do you use as like a baseline to say, like, what's the pass run ratio? How many plays, you, you know, how fast do we think they're going to be? So I know that's kind of two separate questions there, but um, yep. you know. No, that makes sense. And that's obviously very valid concerns, right? Because we're trying to predict the future and see which players are right. going to be worth it, right? So on a team like Chicago, it's actually kind of easier because they were so bad that a head coach change should regress them, you know, at least somewhere in between, you know, teams 22 to 28, somewhere in there, most likely if they made other improvements. I still have them pretty low. Yeah. Um, just looking at my team stats here. It looks like they're in, they're in the bottom four yet, even with that. But uh, they didn't, they didn't improve their offensive line. They didn't add any wide receivers. Like they added just enough to lose their compensatory pick. They would have gotten from <laughs> Allen Robinson. So great job, Ryan oh, man, It's just, it's just real, real poor managing on a team like that. So gotta whereas, love drafting your franchise quarterback and not giving him weapons. Oh my goodness, it is infuriating. When you envy Zach Wilson, that's when you just. <laughs> So I mean, even yeah. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, like we joke about Christian Kirk, but he's still got a Christian Kirk. Oh, I I'd be thrilled with Christian Kirk. Right. He's, he's not bad at all. I would say like, he's not great, but that's, yeah. that helps your I, team. He's going to help your quarterback. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe fantasy wise, it doesn't do a ton, but I mean, my God, you need, you need somebody to throw to. Right. The other thing I did want to add just very quickly is these are far more advanced than my projections, which were all basically just based on historical comparisons of what the coaching tendency was and then adding or subtracting targets based on what I thought would happen the following year and then essentially just multiplying it out so this is already a way more advanced than anything I did and I what I did was already very time consuming and painful so I can only imagine god yeah you went through no sometimes that's that's better sometimes people have just have a really good feel for what they see coaches do so like that's something that I don't personally watch terribly closely i like i use stats to find it out right whereas you're watching what coaches do and using your knowledge of that to kind of adjust so some people are are pretty successful with that and the way i know you think you're probably decent at it at least i'd say so oh uh, my projections would have said otherwise but i appreciate that <laughs> the, i will say to your point what it did teach me instead of that i needed to be more ultimately it did teach me that i needed to be more realistic but only in that like all of my projections basically had every team increasing in the number of times they passed. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this is only because I'm coming at it probably from a fantasy perspective and this is what I want. So naturally everyone is going to pass more this year because that helps my fantasy players. And then (laughs) eventually I went, you know what? These can't be possibly right because every team is, we know just based on data that every team does not necessarily pass more year to year. 
Yeah. No, that's funny because uh, I made a, a Marvel connection that I was hoping to get in with you in this one, and it's about the reality it. stone. <laughs> so the first model you create, I, I call it the reality stone. So you realize you can make a projection, say anything you really want, just like you said. So if you like a player, you can just make your model say that that player is going to do really good. And and then comes the aftermath of that where you realize your first model is likely just a pile of shit because it's your first model and you don't know what you're doing, right? <laughs> that's what mine was. Like I, I'm pretty sure that's what everyone started out as your first model. You try it out. And you think you know a lot and you're like, oh, I'm gonna make this guy good because I like him. So the model should do it like this. And then you're like, no, not even close. This it's uh, honestly, it'd be like now I feel like if I were to do a model and I'm pulling this example because I have a bet with Rocky, but I'd be doing like a model for projections with the Broncos. And it'd basically be like, oh, yeah, Jerry Judy's going to catch all the passes and Sutton's going to catch none <laughs> because I have a bet on Jerry Judy. Exist. And yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> 200 targets to uh, Jerry Judy is what's going to happen this year. Clearly very realistic. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were a tough team to, to project, I would say. So they got, like I said, a lot of changes. You got Russell Wilson, you got who's going to be healthy, I guess, on the wide receivers. So that's going to dictate a lot. I would say, bet say between them and Miami were the two hardest teams to project for me. There's just lots of moving parts, new coaches that you don't fully know what they're going to do. You can kind of guess with McDaniels a little bit more, maybe, but it's just there's so many moving parts, so you just try and do the best you can with all your models together, see what see what they come out with. So how much how much bias goes into like where where do you live right now, David? I'm in Fargo, North Dakota. Okay, so um, I guess when you I mean obviously the whole country is going to understand like the whole let Russ cook thing and Pete Carroll and. Yep. you know, whatever. And you get, you basically have to think no matter where he goes, this guy's going to pass more, right? Like they yep. gave up so much for him. He's going to throw more. So like, how do you, how do you incorporate that to say like, okay, I think this is going to happen because everyone thinks this is going to happen because it seems so obvious that this is going to happen. But what if that's not necessarily true? Or how do you, how do you pull back on that and just let the model do the work instead of you saying, well, I need to, tweak this a bit because it seems so obvious that this is going to happen although with the coach and everything we have no idea what they're going to do they have two right. great running backs they have a decent run blocking line like we don't we don't know what they're going to do yeah so in a case like that it's just like you said you got to let the model kind of do the work and you got to make sure you have enough angles coming in at it that it doesn't become too fixated on one particular stat. So it can't be too fixated on just Russell Wilson. It can't be too fixated on the coaching. It can't be too fixated okay. on the running backs, right? So it's all it's all part of that balance, right? And the last step I do is actually subjective tweets. So like or subjective tweaks to it. Yeah. So okay. I go through all these steps, let it let it calculate everything. And then the very final step is if I notice something that's like glaring or just very, very wrong, then I'll try to adjust it or bump it or give it like a five or 10% boost or something like that. Okay. Okay. So, so, th so yeah. there's, there's going to be a little bit of bias in there, but mostly the baseline sure. is going to come from the input. Right. Which we'll is also, also say... bias because I created it, right? True. So... True. Of course. Of <laughs> so course. I, I don't know that there's a way not to put any kind of bias. Yeah, in. no, I mean, they're definitely, no, I think there has to be, but it's how do we like minimize it? you know, Correct. to yep. where it, it, it makes sense. I mean, 
because I'm I'm here in Chicago, and I mean I'm a season ticket holder. Well, actually, no longer because fuck them. But um, <laughs> and I just like I hate them so much that I just don't think there's any way that Fields can succeed. And so I think that he'll be ranked like you know 46 out of the 46 starting quarterbacks that play you know a, a minimum of 100 snaps this year or whatever those stats are, right? And so like. I just think, you know, he has no coaching, no line, no organization, no nothing. He has no help. So regardless of how good he is, it doesn't matter. So like my bias, like I can't, I just can't properly evaluate Chicago Bears. You know, like I, like everybody's going crazy over Mooney and I'm just like, trade, sell, go ahead. Yeah, you can have him. This tiny little man, he's like 160 pounds. Like I could step on it. And you think he's going to have 100 catches? Like, no, he's not. So like uh it's it's just it's wild to me to hear like other people saying this you know and then here i am like i love you know michael Pittman or something and colts fans are probably like what's wrong with you dude like yeah he's fine but he's not going to be that great <laughs> so i'm sure we all have that right because whatever team we follow closest or you know whatever situation it is right so you know i i'm just trying to figure out how can i because i don't have the time to do my own model or whatever you know if this was 10 years ago maybe but like i this is why i listen to guys like you right but i need to figure out how i can not have those biases and how how can how we all can as as fans right because we can be excited about players but um or maybe the opposite (laughs) in some cases um you know but then how do we let that affect our uh the way that we play this game where we're trying to get the most points in our lineup you know so i think that's why a model is so important to follow like we can definitely believe our eyes and the film and all that but i think we definitely need to have the model to balance things out because you know numbers don't lie except for when you want them to (laughs) well a couple things there scott i think you kind of addressed it one is i think you can somewhat help your bias just by listening to other people Because one of the things that people always address when you say anything is like, oh, are you just a fan of this team? And I acknowledge like upfront that I'm a fan of the Giants. And so when I talk about the Giants, there is an inherent bias. Although my bias was more similar to yours, at least until recent years, where it's like, oh, the Giants are terrible. So why would you want any player on the Giants? Because they're terrible. Um, And so, you know, my goal essentially in my own teams was to stay away from the Giants because I didn't want to give them the opportunity to disappoint me twice, meaning in real life and on my fantasy teams. Yes, yes. But now I can recognize, you know, when guys like David or other people say, hey, my models or, you know, on film, I see X, Y, and Z with this player on the Giants. I'm able at least enough to say, okay, yes, I generally think that Giants suck for fantasy, but these guys who I trust that are smart are saying this player does not suck for fantasy, so maybe I should listen to them, and if the price point makes sense, get in on that. The other thing is I just feel the need to defend Darnell Mooney because I happen to really like Darnell Mooney. I and like I him think, too. It's just people are just way overvaluing him. I will also say to uh, David's point about Marvel stuff. So I have a fantasy league that's based on superheroes. It's called Justice League of of Superflexers. It's the one that I run for charity. And uh, our friend Joe, Trader Joe on Twitter, uh, helped me by making an avatar and also figuring it out because I had Darnell Mooney on my team. And he was like, Bobby, why is your team name not Mooney Night? And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) You you are absolutely right. (laughs) so that's a good one yeah so i and i have been a darnell mooney fan for a while um i just think 
he just fits this mold of player that I typically like, which is like honestly that unsexy player that everyone else seems to hate, but that puts And up he points. was that, right? And so for those of us that acquired a lot of those shares, we're extremely happy. But now it's gotten to a point where people are talking about him like, you know, in the same light as Rashad Bateman. Well, there's no other receivers there, so he's just going to do it. Rashad Bateman is infinitely more talented than Darnell Mooney. So it's like not even a, it's, there's no scale for it. It's like Bateman's here and Mooney's, Mooney's fine. He's a very good player. He's well-liked um, here in Chicagoland, definitely in the locker room. His teammates love him. He's a great kid. He's a hard worker. Like I, as a fan, I'm stoked that he's on my team, but in the fantasy world, like it's absolutely wild. It's bananas. How much value this kid has. I've been selling him like crazy because of you know what i've been able to get it's just it's it doesn't make any sense because again i mean we can talk about you know being small and all that that's fine i joke mostly um but just the whole system in general like can the guy have a good year yeah he had a good year last year and and could he do that again sure but is he going to be a wide receiver one it's just not gonna happen like David, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What does your model say Darnell Mooney is going to do this year? I have him above, above ADP for uh, for his what, spot. It's saying what is it? eight, 87 catches, 1,100 yards, and 4.8 touchdowns for 14.2 wow. points touchdowns per game. That's probably right. Yeah, very low touchdowns, right? Their offense is not great. Yeah. Scott's shaking his head, but I think if uh, if Darnell Mooney hit those numbers at all, his fantasy rosters would be ecastic. Yeah, I think he won't uh, touch those numbers. (laughs) (laughs) I think I think he's a good play this year, and then a high sell target. I think his 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 value is going to peak this year, and then after that, I'd be completely out. So. I'll be targeting him as long as ADP stays down in the low wide receiver twenties or wide receiver thirties. And, uh, but yeah, beyond that, I'm, I'm not going to keep him on my rosters for dynasty at all. So I agree on the long term, but short term, I think he has a little more upside than, than maybe he's getting credit for. So low 20, but, low twenties is where he's at. I think he's at wide receiver 29 right now. Okay. Let me see all right. that. I mean, that's re- that's reasonable. Oh, for redraft, um, right? So I should get yeah, the uh, dynasty yeah, I mean, that's ADP. Absolutely up. reasonable. Let's see. I have no issue with that. I mean, that's you know, that's a mid, you know, a mid three. Okay, yeah, I yeah, definitely can live with that. Saying he's wide receiver thirty three according to uh, Adeco's ADP, so he gathers uh, last mm-hmm. few weeks of dynasty yeah. startup drafts. Yeah, that's the fault. Yeah, use that. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good with that. So. Yeah, which, uh, you know, looking at some of the guys around him seems maybe a little high, but not crazy, I would think, I guess. But I thought he was going to be higher, actually. The way the way trades I've seen him going uh, down. That's, in a, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Like you're getting Absolutely. first plus for the guy, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's wild. If you're getting, well, I actually didn't know this. If you're getting first plus for Darnell Mooney right now, then I need to change my stance and say I'm out on Mooney. Because I oh, yeah. was ready, all ready to defend him. But if people are offering, especially 23 first plus for him. Yeah, I suppose it depends. I, which I which year, right? Out. Yeah. Um, that said, so that's probably enough Darnell Mooney talk. I'm sure <laughs> that's honestly probably the most anyone's ever talked about Darnell Mooney on a podcast. 
don't get me wrong. You know, Scott said all these lovely, nice things about Darnell Mooney. And I will also add just because one time Cooper Cup's grandma tweeted at me. So now I feel the need to say this on the off chance that any of Darnell Mooney's family is listening tonight. I'm sure he's a perfectly lovely human being. And he's fairly Absolutely. good at football, but we've spent a decent <laughs> amount of time talking about him. So we're going to move on to our next or just to another slightly adjacent topic, which is earlier, David, I asked you. Who are, according to your models, if you know offhand, who are some players that are being undervalued and also who are being overvalued? And, you know, you just talked about maybe Mooney is one of those guys who's being slightly undervalued, at least for this year. But who are some of those other guys? Yeah, so I got a lot of names, obviously. I'm, I'm, this is good. I, I have pretty high conviction in, in the guys I like, but I'll just try to try to keep it somewhat limited to picking two or three each. So, the guys I picked as undervalues were A.J. Dillon uh, for running back 25 Dynasty ADP. So he just turned 24. Aaron Jones is 27, obviously still a great running back. But uh, he already led the team in rushings last uh, last year, got 37 targets. I have him projected to score more points than Aaron Jones this year already with 1,250 scrimmage yards, 39 receptions, and nine touchdowns. So it's... It's looking very bullish for AJ Dillon's case. He's so my most sure. acquired player. Is he? Last 90 days. Yes. I think yeah. mine is Aaron Jones. So now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like them both. Like this year, they, I mean, their whole offense has to run through those two yeah. guys. They're, they're yeah. just head and shoulders above everyone else. Like, yeah, you can be high on Christian Watson. He's got a lot of good traits too right but they're just they're already entrenched you know what you got with them and now it's going to become more focused on them and they got a good offense as long as Aaron Rodgers and their offensive line is relatively intact so it's I, I know they talk about a lot about getting them both on the field at the same time when I was looking at formations I don't see like any of that last yeah. year it was right. one running back not two so I think that's a lot of fluff there that isn't going to translate because you'd rather have a wide receiver running routes than a running back if you have the choice between the two and just have one running back in the backfield so i don't think that's all true but regardless the they're still going to give the ball to the running backs just a ton so it's funny that he's one of your most acquired players i've been trying to get him but i haven't yeah. been uh been putting too much focus on it yet thinking i can get him later here i but, had i went from three to eleven shares yeah he's so. he, he's looking amazing so what have you generally given up for him scott if you had yeah. to try to uh, so a, a couple a couple were startups a couple were dispersals so i when i say acquired just means you know my shares went from three to eleven so um several were trades though i did there was one that it might have actually been the league we're going to talk about so i need to look that up real quick um there was a variation of like nick chubb and some picks for basically dylan and some picks and a, a team that i'm not going to be competing um this year and so as much as i love nick chubb it's doesn't matter he will be too old by the time my team can do anything so oh, that is just hilarious because um, that's one of my two cells so yeah yeah <laughs> look at that yeah yeah, it's almost like Scott got early access to uh, your projections, even though <laughs> yeah, you guys what's just going on here. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, did I mention that? Uh, no, actually, my co-host from Dynasty Roast, he is he is up there in the Dakotas, and I won't say which one because now it might get a little bit too eerie. So you know, but he is a <laughs> he is a computer analyst. 
So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with him. Totally messing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he yeah, really is. Wait a minute. He really is from South Dakota, but no, he doesn't. He's he's not a hacker or anything. He doesn't have your, your model. I promise. <laughs> so, no, I don't. I don't keep too tight a lot. Pretty much all my stuff's free. So. <laughs> yeah, just so everyone is aware, you can find the model posted on David's Twitter timeline, and it is, to his point, free on a Google Doc. So he's doing uh, great work that he could probably put behind a paywall, and maybe we'll advise him on how to do that in the future, and we'll be the <laughs> bad guys. But I like to see people get paid for their work. So, David, definitely. Uh, you definitely. definitely in the future need to, or at least, you know, just have like a donation if this helped you in any way kind of button or something like that. Yeah, I've thought about that, but uh, like yeah, that. right now just trying to grow. I like uh, I like the interaction I get when I put it behind a paywall. You just cut your audience to like five or ten percent, right? So that's true. True. That's like, also definitely accurate. Yeah. So I like I like the interaction. I like growing. I like proving myself, like with the rankings and the fantasy pros competition. So I like I like putting myself out there against others and seeing what I can do because it's a it's very competition driven for me. I like. Uh, like all all fantasy leagues, you want to win, right? So I want to I want to be one of the best rankers. So that's why I, I like having myself out there. So it's easily awesome. to compare. You can trace back to it and stuff like that. So I was about to say, someone who's competitive in the fantasy football space, no, never. <laughs> None of us are competitive whatsoever. <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. So some people too much to say. So. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Um, Talking about, I'm trying to find a transition there. Talking about competitive players, let's talk about another one that's on <laughs> or undervalued, just according to your model. And okay. I can see the name, so I see a sneak peek, and I'm very curious to hear what you have to say here. Yeah, so my next one would be Marquise Brown, who just came off that 146 target season with uh, wow. with the Ravens. So I'm liking him a lot. He's still only 25, wide receiver 24 dynasty ADP right now. And somehow I see him almost losing value by going to Cardinals in some in some drafts, which just blows my mind because they're going to okay. pass a lot more. Um, Lamar had a 71% on target percentage, according to Sports Info Solutions, and Kyler had an 82% on target percentage. So that's a dramatic <laughs> difference for him there. Wow. And he thrives on the deep ball, right, which Kyler's also much better, I would say at that than Lamar. So I think he's just going to explode. I think he's going to be there for a long time. I hope Kyler doesn't regress because I know there's a lot of issues and offseason talk about everything going on with him and stuff like that. So I hope they can keep building. And if they do, Marquise Brown's going to, I think, borderline be a top 14, top 15 dynasty wide receiver by this time I, next year. I have to say this because it's it was absolutely cracking me up. Uh, if you if you're in multiple dynasty leagues do one at least one rookie draft before the nfl draft because you're gonna look back and there are gonna be some terrible picks and it's gonna be funny and it's probably gonna hurt but when you trade like your 204 for like a second the next year and marquise brown is a throw-in and then he gets traded to the cardinals a couple days oh later like during the draft <laughs> i mean this is just gold like i'm yeah. so like even the rest of my picks if they were nothing this was like a free marquise brown and i'm so stoked about it so um, that's insane crazy yeah. stuff like that happens and that happened uh, to rocky too in our league that should do it 
We have one league where we draft before the NFL draft, and someone basically just gave Rocky a free Marquise Brown too, and then Marquise Amazing. Brown was traded Jeez. to the Cardinals, and he was just like, "Yep, that's it, free money." Love My it. goodness, Love yeah, it. and the talent void now that he's at the Cardinals, you know, it's bigger between uh, him and Ertz, and I guess maybe not Hopkins when he comes back, but the rest of the team sure. than it was between him and Andrews and Bateman. Like Andrews and Bateman are very good players. Right. And now there's even a bigger talent gap. So it could concentrate targets even more than what I have projected for, which is insane to even think about because then he's just going to explode like crazy in my mind. And didn't so. they play together in college, Kyler and Oh, that's right. Yeah. For a year, uh, right? At least one year. Yeah. Yep. The college narrative too. So, so and that's been working. Really old, for the old shower buddy knowledge. The old, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know why you might find that people are slightly down on him? Is, is at that? least historically, we've seen a trend, right, of wide receivers when they're traded to a new team don't produce oh, in that great. first yeah. year. Yeah. That said, we've had so many change teams this year that that narrative is just going to get blown to pieces, I think, especially because it was all superstars essentially changing teams. Mm-hmm. And also, just I know I've talked a lot about him this year, or not this year, this podcast, but this one exception to this changing teams rule apparently was Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks could change teams and still put up in a thousand yard season and it would not matter. He's a mercenary, like just team to team yeah. to team. It is and so every, impressive what he's done. Yeah. Even every changing teams quarterbacks all the too. time. People yeah. will be like, oh, he changed teams this year. This is going to be the year he doesn't do it. He did it. Oh, he doesn't have a Hall of Fame quarterback anymore. Still does it. Brandon yep. Cooks just produces. He's a good wide receiver. And I am so glad because for years I was arguing with people on Twitter about him and him being a very good to elite player. And it seems like now it's gone the other way where people who think that he's not essentially get shouted down. And I'm just like, yes, people finally understand what I've been right. saying for years. Yeah. This is probably the first year that he's like finally getting remotely close to the respect he deserves. He's still a value somehow though in drafts. Like he's, he's going beneath what he's going to produce again. It's, it's insane. I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Why people hate him. He's but, one of the few players that has continually just outproduced his ADP. And yep. it's to Scott's point, and I think at this point, Scott's catchphrase, free money, because every <laughs> year you just draft Brandon Cooks at his ADP and he outproduces it and wins you leagues. Yep, exactly. And that's my uh, that's my obligatory Brandon Cooks rant. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, worked, you worked it in. Nice job. Yeah. You mentioned that you had at least one more player because I know I know there's a bunch here, and honestly, the information that you put here is well worth tweeting out after the show just to talk about all the players that we don't get a chance to talk about. But if you had to pick one more who's undervalued, David, who would that be? That hmm. only fully plan to dive in on the two, and it's too easy to say Rashad Bateman and Wandale Robinson because you know how I feel about them, but let's you know it's probably gonna be between trey lance and clyde edwards hilaire so you guys pick which one you think's the better value so i i'd be curious to hear about clyde because i am not a clyde guy and so i do like trey lance so i'm still in on him so i think pretty much whatever you tell me isn't going to change that but clyde i'm curious to maybe learn something here and see why maybe i shouldn't be giving up on him yeah, I agree with Scott. I'm still very much in on Trey Lance, but Clyde, I'm on the fence about. So I'd love to hear your thoughts and what your projections are saying about him. Right, many are. So there's, I think there's a narrative surrounding him that he sucks, right? 
a lot of people thinking that he's just not an NFL quality running back, right? It. Or something like that. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, I mean, when you look at the per game stats, though, he actually was was extremely serviceable before the injuries. And now that they lost Daryl Williams. That like a good thing. <laughs> so a long time ago, I went on the Open Bar podcast and I talked about like the ratings of quarterbacks. And it was like basically like elite, great, good. Okay, serviceable. And they really latched onto that serviceable <laughs> tier. That's what I mean. I but, was like, oh, where does that maybe fit that, in on the scale? All right. Maybe that's not the right baseline or above average. <laughs> so, and then there's this uh, the study I do called significant vacated touches when when a player who has had over a hundred touches on a team returns. To that team while losing another running back on that team that had 100 touches before granted injuries play a part of that so you can do it by per game if you want because then it sounds a lot better right where he's like well he's vacating touches to himself it's like no even in the games they played together they they were relying on daryl quite a bit so they brought yeah. in ronald jones right but clyde knows he's the not. system yeah, Ronald Jones <laughs> took took a hard dive this year with uh, Leonard Fournette and Gio and pretty much anyone playing over him. But that was sad to see. I, it's, I also was just because, his... it's also just because, to Scott's point, Ronald Jones sucks. I, I actually <laughs> dropped him. I dropped him his rookie year. Just dropped him. Didn't even Oof. trade him. I just dro- I just dropped him. Oh I mean, my. I it's I watched him and I was just like, yeah, no, that's I'm just dropping him. I I just. <laughs> I would rather he rot on someone else's bench than be I, – I use my roster spot. I actually – that was the year I picked up Corey Clement, of all people, and I went ran, he ran me to a championship along with Jalen Samuels. So you never that. know. But I out of all my years and all my leagues, he's the only one player I've ever dropped straight up as a rookie who was drafted, you know, wow. not after, like, the third round of a rookie draft. So, yeah. So, I, yeah say so, that I think he sucks, but I have never gone that extreme with him. Yeah, I'm glad I was right on this one, and I'll probably never do that again. <laughs> Seems but, a bit extreme, but <laughs> yes, it, it 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 was. I've grown, I've matured since those days. But you know, um, anyway, David. All right. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead, David. Yes. We just had to go on a brief Ronald Jones sucks rant. So, and this one in particular is one that got highlighted both by my independent running back redraft model due to uh, players' kind of career projections and how they go, their receiving work, stuff like that, efficiency, and uh, and the combination of the team projections. So losing Tyreek Hill obviously matters. Losing Daryl Williams matters as much as people think he's just the guy. He was very meaningful to that offense, used, right? Yeah, he was used, right. So uh, the volume has to go somewhere. Like I said before, it kind of helps paint a more realistic picture. So unless you think Ronald Jones is that guy, like we're, which I don't think any of us do really, um, Clyde's going to take a commanding share of that backfield, in my opinion. And I looked at a couple other projections. People are all over the place, but I noticed Mike Clay at ESPN had yeah. him pretty high too. Yeah, so he that, does. that felt good seeing confirmation and kind of the models I was building. So I think that's uh, a little bit of reassurance. If you guys don't believe me, maybe believe Mike, <laughs> Mike Clay. But uh, <laughs> I, I, do, I do think he's a good value. I'll be, I'll be probably over 50% exposure on him in redraft, considering I have just a massive gap between his ADP and his expected wow, output. Okay. So, it might actually also help his case that Tyreek Hill is gone because he's one of the pieces of the offense that's actually returning. And 
the other wide receivers are rookies, so they may actually look to run the ball more, and that could help. Who knows the offense too? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So that's why I said I'm very much on the fence about him, and wanted to hear your thoughts. And it is fair enough. Fair enough. And I I I know he doesn't have speed like you watch him. Like he doesn't have that crazy breakaway speed. But uh, uh, Jim Moyer. Uh, does some film breakdowns oh, and he's, he's really high on him. Yes, yes. He he likes Clyde a lot and he he knows his film. So I'm yes, hoping he hoping he's right as well as the as the model. So it's nice when you have kind of two different viewpoints saying the same thing. So yeah, we'll, we'll no, see. I, I guess, mean that's but... a great point. I mean that that definitely moves the needle for me. I mean I I always try to keep an open mind on these guys. Um, you know, so much changes year to year, and. Yeah, I mean that that's where the data really comes in and and it can help you because now I might you know, instead of just fire sailing the guy because I don't <laughs> like him, you know, maybe I'll hold on and see what happens, you know. So yeah, that that makes yeah. that makes definitely makes a big Scott difference. tries to keep an open mind on everyone except Ronald Jones apparently. Except Ronald, Ronald Jones is the exception. <laughs> Ronald Jones is dead to me. He's a very divisive Zero guy. Chairs. Zero so, chairs. David, those are guys that you're model says are undervalued and that you're also high on as a result and mm-hmm. we all like to talk positively although uh, i guess scott and i also like to talk negatively particularly <laughs> if you're ronald jones and we're going to talk neg- maybe slightly negatively about some other players and tell us some players or just a couple that your model thinks are being overvalued some that make gotcha. me very sad here but <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so i'm out on by the way much. i will preempt and say earlier i noted that i traded a bunch for aaron jones and one of the highlights here is that aaron <laughs> jones is being over so well i think i think he's fine for uh another i demand year, a recap david go back and do your model again <laughs> some are saying he could lead the team in targets which you know probably ain't too far off but it seems seems tough but they should they use them a lot pose it's game. within the range of outcomes as they say but, right. but I realized I preempted you here. So if you're about to talk about Aaron Jones, I apologize. But no, I can talk about a different player. Yeah, since I already covered uh, Packers with uh, AJ Dillon, uh, one of my uh, one of my fades was uh, pretty much all Steelers pass catchers. Um, they Makes were sense. they were throwing at such an insane rate last year. They were throwing at 64 percent pass rate, which was second highest in the league. And now you get a brand new quarterback, which granted he may be Justin Herbert and have rookie of the year season, but a much more realistic expectation is he's more of an average rookie quarterback, which isn't great. So you get second year Najee Harris that they're probably going to lean to even more with, especially with a rookie quarterback, in my opinion. So I think Deontay Johnson is a fantastic player. I have no issues with his talent level. He's very good in my mind. I have a problem with him being valued at his absolute peak, which was last season in my While mind. you say that, I just need to check. Before you said the thing about his peak, is Rocky Petrella in your house right now holding you hostage? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's, let's make sure. Let's make sure he's, no. uh, he's not he's just, there. Just so you know, Rocky is the biggest Deontay Johnson fan that I know and has him on pretty much every team and hypes him to infinity. And he's the one who created this podcast. So... Please continue. <laughs> oh no, I I agree. I'm glad to see him on here though because I did sell what I think or could be high um, over the yep. last few I months. Sold I've sold two a few shares. shares. 
and it hurts. It hurts. He's a young, right. great receiver, and I, I enjoy watching him. I mean, it hurts to sell him, but I do totally see this path, and I'm glad that there's some actual data behind it because now when I say to do that, I don't look like a complete moron, right? Because <laughs> now I can say, well, David's model agrees. Oh, boy. I, people have gotten burned by my models before, right? So nothing. <laughs> I mean, but, uh... hey, there's something out there. It's not yeah. like I'm just coming up with random stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's not just saying it to make Rocky mad anymore. Now he's no, saying it I, that's his really how it started. But now, <laughs> see, it's actually true. So, right? No, yeah. Just I just think past temps will come down. It's an unknown with uh, Pickett or Trubisky. If people think Trubisky's going to start, I still don't think no. that's going to happen. I think it's going to be the Pickett show because you got to see what you got, right? To yep. See, see where the see where the team is going forward, but. Uh, People are really hard on Big Ben, but what he did was support a lot of people, even in his twilight years there. So no it's uh, they're being too harsh on him. They're expecting too much of Pickett. I, I'll very much consider buying him next year after the season, but I don't see a way that his value really goes up in, in the near Unless term. Unless he goes somewhere else. Correct. Right. Yep. That so is, that, that's that one risk other. I didn't think of. That's a very good point. It's that's... uh yeah. For me, if I'm like almost, it's weird because you never say I'm selling a young receiver if I'm contending, but I, I probably am. I don't think he's going to be like a wide receiver one this year. Right. So I, right. I would rather sell him and not have the unknown. If I'm trying to win right now, there's, there's a slew of other receivers I'd rather have, especially if I'm getting something on top of it. So yep. yeah, and I think even one sense. for one trade that right. And just, sure. just pivot your chips. Right. And a similar to your receiver, so absolutely, yeah. And apparently, according just really quick, according to DLF ADP, you could, if ADP can be trusted, you could flip Deontay Johnson right now and get DJ Moore, Drake London, Traylon Burks, or if you're talking about those contending teams, you could get a Chris Godwin, a Terry McLaurin, Michael Pittman. You could probably even get Michael Pittman plus. I'm guessing. Oh, I and, yeah. I'm oh, I'd, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Another one that's a little further down is a Mike Evans, um, Amari Cooper, even. So there's definitely some guys you could flip Johnson into if you're a contender and get plus, and get a plus on top guys. of it, mm-hmm. and uh, that might be a solid move. And I generally agree with you guys on that. Sorry, mm-hmm. Rocky, don't fire us. <laughs> no, those are good points. Yeah, those are. Those and are this will targets. be our last podcast. Yeah, right. this is the <laughs> last Dynasty so, Junkies for Scott and it. myself finished it right before episode 100 (laughs) no and and to our point though like he's he's very talented right like nothing about this is uh is a knock on his talent and i know they say bet on talent right but i mean you still gotta you guys still gotta weigh everything so and this this year looks like a down year even if he he'll still probably be plenty good it just won't won't live up to his current value in my mind so as the cliche goes hate the value not the player that's right especially true in these cases um so yeah, yeah. my next one is uh is a guy that uh, you just uh you just sold for aj Dillon. so one of my buys for for one of my sales it's nick chubb i yeah. i do a yards created through analytics thing where i measure how many yards a, a running back creates on their own whether it's uh broken tackles yards after contact uh offensive line blocking yards 
and then how much yards they uh, created before contact with all that. And I think there's one other factor in there that I can't think of off the top of my head. But Nick Chubb has been top three for three years in a row. So oh, he's, he's incredible. Yeah, he's incredible. Probably the best runner in the league, right? Yeah, but I agree. Yeah, where his where his limits come in is where uh, we were talking about earlier with the addition of Watson. So now that's another whole thing, right? If he plays or not, if he's suspended. But uh, if he doesn't play, I actually will probably fade back on this and be a little more into him. But okay. uh, their passing rate is probably going to go up. His receiving work is just it's just non-existent. It's he needs a Derrick Henry sized workload to pay off, and they have Kareem Hunt and their pass catching backs that they like to rotate in. There's no coaching change, so they're they're still right. going to use their backs the same that they have been, which limits his upside as always. And it was funny because uh, my running back redraft model predicted uh, Nick Chubb's points per game down to the exact decimal with 15.5 this last year, and now it projects him at like 13 point something. So another steady drop. So it's it's kind of an age thing. It's how how they're rating, but a lot of that's kind of based into their pass rate with Watson too. So. Again, if, if Watson is out all year, then then I'll come back in on him. But his uh, his breakout season was when he had those, what was it, 39 targets or something like that in 2019. And they never did that again. So he's never averaged over 1.5 receptions per game since, which is just really hard to deal with unless you're a points per carry or a low PPR league. So then mm-hmm. what I'm saying doesn't make as much sense. But in full PPR, which most leagues are, He's uh yeah he's an easy fade for me again this year. So despite... quick question, just for yeah. my good friend Gabe Gearing, FF Man Bun at the Open Bar, how does Wubba Lubba Chub Chub factor into your model? Does it factor in at all? Wubba Lubba Chub Chub, what is that? I'm guessing you're not. <laughs> so Rick and Morty has Wubba Lubba Dub Dub, and then Gabe did Wubba Lubba Chub Chub. Which is just him being, it's honestly just ridiculousness. It's not anything serious and should not factor into your model at all. But I have to ask. I actually think it should now. I mean, I right. think there should be a whole separate category at this point. But um, <laughs> I, so the narrative that, like, okay, if Watson plays and the offense is better and there's more touchdown potential, um, it, I, I like that's that's makes sense right if your offense is better maybe you could score more points and then therefore yep. the guys in the field score more touchdowns sure okay um how much does that factor in like in your model if you were to say all right watson is he's playing all 17 games so their touchdowns go up by you know eight or something yep. for the season and then you'll give two of those to Chubb or something. I mean, because touchdown rate is just touchdowns are the least predictive thing, right? We have no idea. Yeah. A guy right. year to year, like DJ Moore, he's had like four touchdowns in nine seasons and, <laughs> and he should have like 136. So like we we understand like this, it's impossible to predict. And Nick Chubb could very well have 15 touchdowns this season. Like nobody would be shocked by that. But at the right. same time, it's unlikely that that will happen so is that affected as much in your model with the quarterback uh play yeah i'm I'm very glad you brought it up because that's a that's a point of emphasis in my model so it takes uh takes the vegas line which for cleveland kind of comes and goes daily now right (laughs) depending on which which book you look at uh they take it off when another suspension is looming for watson but yep 
uh, that's all factored in. So as the win projected total goes up, their overall team yardage and points goes up, and that's affected into okay. each player's touchdown rates. And that's also balanced with their individual rates from their careers. Incredible. And then I and then I also balance uh, against the t- touchdown rate of the league average. So it's those three things: the team, okay. the player, and then league average. And that's how I affect uh, touchdown rate. People often overaccount uh, in my mind right. for good teams and yes. undercount it for bad teams. So if yes. you look at the what the top four dynasty running backs are on theoretically bad teams now with uh, what yeah team teams that missed playoffs all last year, right? So they're all. Right could be called bad teams but they're still awesome so if you're not fading those players why are you over emphasizing a good team for a player like chubb so this also kind of sounds like an anti Javante williams uh comment and i'm just saying that because i think a lot of the argument for Javante williams still being good especially after they re-signed gordon was well russell wilson is there so they're going to score more touchdowns naturally and that's just better for him and it kind of sounds like you're saying that's not quite the case. It can be, and it can be helpful. But also the other thing I do want to reiterate is just listen to the fact that David's model is essentially updating in real time based on what Vegas <laughs> is doing. And it's out there for free, people, on his Twitter timeline. Well, that's insane it. because most models are not updating essentially in real time. Or free. Or free. No, I mean, I still have to put in inputs every now and then, but uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's been a fun project and I hope uh, hope the work pays off, but uh, I guess we'll see this season. But uh, yeah, for Javante in particular, I like him actually a lot this year, but it, it ends up putting him right at around ADP uh, for redraft anyway. For Dynasty, I, I get it. I think he's probably a little overvalued yet. But uh, so last year I had... I had over 50% exposure to Melvin Gordon because I knew he wasn't going away. He was the guy that was, that was coming in. He was the veteran rookies have a little bit of a learning curve as much as people get excited about him their rookie year. I get very excited about him their second and third years. Cause there's a, there's a growth. Like as you get touches in your second year, it typically goes up a lot and years two and three, especially if you did well in that rookie year. So Javante's redraft model looks, uh, looks pretty promising. So I see that gap. You know, last year, everyone's using the level last year where Melvin Gordon was actually just slightly better, right, than Javante, whereas now I think I have a, a seven-point gap between them per game, which is oh, wow. pretty massive. Yeah. But that's, uh, small that's for, for, for Gordon and then the increase for Javante with experience. So, yeah. That's right, exactly. And then, yep, the age of Gordon declining as well. So, yeah, 15.4 points per game for Javante and 8.8 I got for for Melvin. Wow. That is huge. Interesting. Well, yeah, which I didn't have last year, right? I was I was very big on Gordon. I was telling people to draft for and he was one of my highlighted okay. sleepers and stuff like that. So it's uh it's funny how it changes that uh, everyone comes either a little late or a little early in my mind. Whereas if you're just like patient and you understand career arcs and stuff like that, that it just makes more sense that now's probably the time to maybe be a little more bullish on Javante, even though his what's his uh running back dynasty ADP is he at like running back four already. Yeah. We've, so yeah. I've talked oh, about yeah. this a bit. Yeah. Running back two, three. Yeah. 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 It's running back five currently according to DLF made. Okay. And 
you talked about you know being patient and that's something that i think a lot of dynasty players struggle with to be honest we want instant gratification and we're not willing to wait for career arcs to develop and i say that you know another guy we talked about briefly earlier was like trey lance for example everyone's like oh he ain't it because he didn't play last year and then it's also like Okay, guys, but also remember, like, we all love Patrick Mahomes right now, and Patrick Mahomes did not play <laughs> yeah. over Alex Smith in his rookie season. So, like, Very maybe just point. like calm down a little bit. Um, that said, I do want to make sure that we still have some time for our Find Me a Trade segment. Yes. But, David, we oh, really yep, appreciate sure. you taking yeah, us. Yeah, sorry if I went a little long there. Oh, no, no. We I, love it. Thank you. We this very purposely awesome. let you awesome. go long because I don't know about our <laughs> listeners, at least, but I know I can speak for myself and I think for Scott when I say that we both – certainly learned a lot about your model and we'll be looking at i was already going to look at it but now that i have gotten even more information i'm definitely going to be using it for my own teams especially because again people it is a free resource go check (laughs) it out his twitter handle is at davidzack16 it is one of his most recent tweets you can find it right there for all 32 teams that said we are going to move over to our find me a trade segment for people who are newer to the show, our Find Me a Trade segment is listeners submit their leagues, and then the hosts of the show, as well as the guests, try to come up with a trade for them. And this particular listen, this particular team was submitted by Steven Spear at Steven0128 on Twitter. And I don't know why I said O, oh, because I usually say zero, but we're going with it. And it's from Dynasty Horror Show, which... I understand Scott to be in this league. I took over an well orphan a couple months Rocky. ago. Yes. Yes. I took over an orphan a couple months ago. Um, I, my team name, by the way, is Machete Sam. And it's not the one you think it is. It's actually from Club Dread, if you've ever seen that movie, which is the Super Troopers uh, crew. It's not a very well known movie, but it's absolutely stupid and hilarious. And so, uh, hey, AJ Dillon, you know, so (laughs) this is, uh, this is a league where, yeah, um, the roster was old. And so, you know, for me, I've kind of started getting younger. And I was thinking about breaking down some of the trades I've made. Um, but, there were a lot of picks involved, and so it's it's hard to do that over a podcast and where it's not going to be great for the listeners. So we'll just not do that. Um, but I will give uh, Steven's roster here. Um, and really quick before you do that, Scott, let's just make sure we also give out the league settings. So yeah, go ahead and understand. do that, and I'll get Steven's roster pulled up. So. It's a 30 roster spot, start 10, two super flex, eight flex, no minimums at any position, 1.75 tight end premium, six point pass per t- passing touchdown with yardage and big plays bonuses. Uh, Steven's comments about his own team was this team is not in great shape. He's looking to get younger and build for long term. He eventually wants to trade Christian McCaffrey, but it feels like he might get a better return when the season starts especially since usually when McCaffrey is healthy, at least he has 25 to 30 points a game. But he worries that if he gets one more injury, that his value is nothing. And Steven, I don't think any of us are actually... So I should also clarify that Andrew Hall, who is one of our other co-hosts, did submit a trade instead of Scott, just because Scott is in this league. And so we figured we'd have one of our other hosts find a trade. 
since Scott could try to craft a trade that is favorable to himself. And instead, <laughs> Scott will comment on them. Would have. <laughs> um, so Andrew did send CMC and David did, but I will just validate for you that I do think that if he has one more significant injury, his value is going to take a pretty significant. Oh, yeah. So I think we all agree with you there. Um, but yeah, so Scott, did you happen to pull up his yes, roster? I have it here. So, um, yeah, the one of the reason one of the reasons this league was interesting to me um, was that it is basically positionless, and so you could kind of build your roster any way you want, right? So that all flex um, essentially is is fun. So okay, uh, at quarterback he has Russell Wilson, Trey Lance, Matt Corral, Andy Dalton, Taylor Heineke. So he's got kind of that locked in. Uh, QB1, Lance has that upside, which could really change his team here, honestly. If Lance comes through and he hits big, I mean, that that, that kind of changes everything. So, you know, I understand we want to hedge a little bit for that right now. Um, and having Russ as your two is maybe more of a preferred method um, with his inconsistencies, but it's definitely still a solid quarterback room. Uh, running back-wise, he has... A bunch of guys, not really worth mentioning. Melvin Gordon, uh, CMC, Brian Robinson, Kyron Williams, Jeff Wilson, Anthony McFarland, Rex Burkhead, Mike Boone, and then kind of goes down from there. Um, at wide receiver, the aforementioned Marquise Brown is on this roster. <laughs> uh, Nelson Aguilar, DJ Shark, Jahan Dotson. Marvin Jones, T.Y. Hilton, Zay Jones, Jarvis Landry, Byron Pringle, Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton. So a, an old an old group there, uh, I think, overall, um, even though there is a little bit of youth there. Um, kind of an aging group, but still, there could still be some good production, right? Um, Robinson, Sutton, guys like that. And then tight end. Uh, this is this is where it gets a little a little hairy because this is a tight end premium league and it is uh, Pat Fryermuth, Dan Arnold, Hunter Long, Trey McKitty, and Jeff Swaim. And I don't think there's a guy outside of Fryermuth that you would even plug in, pretty much in any scenario whatsoever. So um, so yeah, that's you know where there's a premium and sometimes you could use those guys in the flex. There's not much out of Fryermuth, but a couple of those guys with some upside. So that is Steven's roster, and I will read Andrew's trade, and then we'll go to David for his thoughts, and then Scott, your thoughts, and I'll give my thoughts. Um, so Andrew's trade was he said that Steven should send Christian McCaffrey and Melvin Gordon to the Jack Torrance team for A.J. Brown, and Andrew gave some of his thinking here, was just Jack has Javante and might want to add Melvin as a backup, and adding CMC puts him truly in contention. AJ Brown is changing teams, and while Jack has a stack of hurts, he could see this as a viable option to move AJ. Andrew even acknowledged he's not entirely sure if this trade would get done, but he thinks it's a good starting point. So, David, what are your thoughts on this trade? I think that's a fair offer. Uh, I like AJ Brown a lot. He's obviously connected with that new contract there, too. So, um, I'm, I'm a little lower on him this year, but I think he'll grow and develop. Uh, like you said, writer series changes teams. You don't always know, but I think AJ Brown is borderline in that elite tier. So that could be a good way to go for him. And I think it's a pretty fair trade, really. But I think you actually might be overpaying by a hair. 
So I thought you could maybe get a pick in there, like a second or something like that. So what were your thoughts? Scott, what were yeah, your thoughts? Yeah, so on the trade? I, I generally agree with you, David. Um, so what's interesting about doing these exercises for me is that I kind of get to, you know, I see it's obviously not my roster and this is my trade. So I get to look at it from, you know, through different lens, right? And what's interesting to me is I don't like CMC. Like, I don't like him as a person. So I don't want to root for him and I don't have him on a lot of my teams. And so, um, which is pretty rare because there's not a lot of people I don't like, but he's kind of a douche. So I don't like him. Um, but regardless of that, I look at this trade and I love AJ Brown. And so the reason I say that is just, you know, just to kind of be a dick and be funny, but I love AJ Brown. Right. And yet I would not do this trade. Like I would not send CMC for AJ Brown and I don't. And it's, it's just weird because Andrew thinks that almost maybe this isn't enough. Whereas I think it's too much. And, and yet I love AJ Brown and I value him so much. And like, if this was a startup and we were in round two and I have to choose between one of these two players, I mean, it's AJ Brown. It's not even close. Like it's not even, to me but yet i i wouldn't do this trade so uh it kind of makes me think a couple things you know number one that you know sometimes we need to just put away our personal uh biases and also sometimes startup value isn't necessarily the way to go even though i do tend to use it a lot especially this time of year since we don't have much else to look at um i i just think you know when you're looking at cmc's points per game and even melvin right. gordon in this league he's still a starter um you know, especially for this roster, you're you're losing a lot of points per game here, I think, because of AJ Brown going to Philly. If he was in Tennessee, it might be a little bit closer. But I think you're you're losing points per game, and this is almost more of like a like I'm I'm giving up, and I'm definitely heading towards the rebuild. And so, if that is the path, then I, I I think okay, I can lean towards that, and then also, like David said, try to get a pick back with it. Um, but I I almost I'm not sure that I would do it. I think I'd rather take the risk, let CMC play, and let people remember how great he is, and then you know get a little bit more. So that's I think that's point. that's the the that's probably what I would end up doing. Yeah, Scott summed it up exactly what I was thinking about the trade, more or less. I don't have too many additional comments, just that to his point, if this was the trade offer I was making, I would take the risk of CMC playing in the season and hoping that I could get more. So we will move on from there. I will say, to, in fairness to Andrew, that I've seen some trade offers from him, and this is not one of his worst ones that I've seen from him. I think it was a decent offer. It's just not quite something that I would do. And I think you both nailed it, that it's a slight overpay. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense. I, I totally get yeah. why Andrew it came up with it. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad trade at all. It's just it's it's just different than, than I think the way I would approach it. But yeah, it's uh, that's why we do it. Yeah, so next is my trade. And I will acknowledge I really struggled with this and I got kind of stuck on a particular one. And the reason I struggled, and maybe Scott, you could also speak to this a little bit, is when I looked at the rosters, it looked very definitively to me like teams had a particular direction. There was no like rebuilding oh, yeah. teams that maybe had like a few contending pieces or contending pieces or contending teams that had a few rebuilding pieces. It was all like basically like I have only like aging guys who are going to score me points or I have all young upside and there's very little in between. 
And so trying to find a way to make this work for him, I think <clears> was a bit of a struggle. But what I ended up doing was I traded Russell Wilson for the other Wilson, Zach Wilson, as well as Chris Olave and Dawson Knox. And it may not even, I fully acknowledge this may not be enough for Russell Wilson, but the thinking was, it's a it's is somewhat of a scary bet, but it's a bet on Zach Wilson being surrounded with talent now and not being nearly as bad as he was his rookie year and breaking out a little bit as a sophomore. And I know David is higher on Zach Wilson than I am because I've told him I'm on the fence and he's talked to me off that ledge a little bit. But to me, it's essentially you're getting that young upside wide receiver that everyone seems to love in the Saints offense. You're getting an, another upside tight end kind of in that prep Pat Fryermuth tier. It's not Dawson Knox to me is never going to be that elite tight end, but he's at least in a very good offense that you know is going to score touchdowns and he's going to catch some of those. And then again, you get the downgrade at QB, but if Wilson somehow steps it up with his weapons, you'll at least be not so far off from Russell Wilson. And then the other team, this is where I struggled more with it, honestly. The other team would get two top tight ends, but they don't really, or two top quarterbacks, excuse me but they don't really have a third quarterback. Although I will say personally, if I have two top guys, I don't care so much about having a third guy only because I know if one of my top guys goes down, that basically means at least in a super flex league that my team's probably tanked for the season anyway. Um, But I'm not fully sure he would do it for those reasons. So David, what do you think of this trade? And then we'll get Scott's thoughts. I won't give thoughts on my own trade since I essentially just did. (laughs) No, like you said, I'm a I'm a Zach Wilson truther. I know people like to hate on him and the picks he threw early on the season, but I liked how he put it together. I like the way he throws the ball, but most importantly, I like what the Jets are doing. They're giving him everything that you could possibly want with the offensive line and all the weapons. They brought in tight ends, Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis will be healthy. Even Braxton Berrios like isn't even that bad as a wide receiver for for gosh sakes. So I think they are putting him in the best position to succeed that anyone could possibly do. It's the anti-Justin Fields situation, I would say. So I like him a lot. I'm a little lower on Olave, but uh, like he could certainly be good, and he's you know, got a chance to be the wide receiver one there in as short as a year or two, pending Michael Thomas' health. So that's going to be a big deal. And Russell Wilson loves those 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns and 40 picks seasons. So hopefully they get back to doing some of that with him. Um, the part that I would probably change it up is the Dawson Knox part. I don't think he gets as much value, even with the tight end premium. Um, I, I think if you're going to go tight end, you got to go up up a level to, to, to make it worthwhile, considering you don't have to start a position, as you'll see in my trade offer coming up here. But uh, I, I would probably swap him out for a pick is all that I would change. So maybe get uh, a second or or something like that if you could. I know I'm saying the second round pick a lot, but people tend to throw them in as throw-ins when they're on contending teams. So they're kind of easy, low-hanging fruit in my experience. So that's that's probably all I would do. So yeah, I'm, I'm fine with betting on Zach Wilson, but uh, on, on my trade, I like the Trey Lance and Russell Wilson build a lot those would be part of my core still. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to fade away in two years even quite yet. I think so. he's 33. Is he 30? Yeah, that's 32, what I was typing 30. in between there just to double check, make sure. Yeah, but, yeah. So I, I, older, but... 
Yeah. As I acknowledged, I definitely did struggle with this, and I ultimately agree with your thoughts. Besides maybe the Dawson Knox part, just because in tight end premium, I think he's maybe worth more than a second. Yep. But I do want to get um, some of Scott's thoughts, and I'm sure it will be that this trade is not the best. Yeah, uh, th- this is this is actually more like a trade that I would make. Um, it the only hesitation I would have is is thinking like I think this is like if Russ was still in Seattle. I would I would do this trade hundred percent, but now that he's on Denver, I'd be more like eighty percent, right? Just just that maybe just that what if, right? Of like, what if Russ just goes to the next level, right? Um, that that's my only hesitation. But at the same time, like, there's going to be so many changes, and you know we've talked about that you know earlier tonight. So uh, I I do. I was not necessarily a Zach Wilson guy as a rookie, but you cannot ignore what they've been doing. And until this last run of AJ Dillon here and a couple other players, Zach Wilson was my most acquired player. So um, over the past 12 months, I mean, I went from like two shares to, I think, I think I have 10 or 11 now. So um, just when a guy's that cheap and has that much upside, it's hard to ignore. Right. And then you're still getting a top wide receiver. You're still getting a tight end that I like, or a pick, you know, either way, whatever direction you want to go there. Um, so I, I like the uh, almost diversification, if you will, right. You're, you're tearing down, but you're, you're going down two tiers, essentially maybe more for some people from Russ to Zach. Uh, but then you're also adding two more pieces that you can use. And so I like the trade for both sides. Uh, and I will add this context to it. Leatherface was the trade that I, or was the team that I did a trade with um, where I gave him Dobbins and Godwin. So I know that him adding those two players, you know, he's definitely going for it, right? Like he's, he's in that win mode. Um, so I think yeah. this fits that narrative as well. Whereas sure the youth and upside <clears throat> is appealing, but with the players he has now he can win. And if he adds Russ, like he can definitely win. So I like the trade yeah. uh, very much for both teams. No, that's good context to have because obviously did not know that. Um, the one thing, that I did want to add, I think it was about Russell Wilson. I agree that him going to the Broncos does increase his value just because there's this idea of like, oh, they're going to let him cook. They didn't trade for him not to let him cook. And so I do agree with what David was saying earlier about the idea of having a core of Trey Lance and Russell Wilson just allows you to just build elsewhere at other positions and set it and forget it essentially with your quarterbacks. Whereas Zach Wilson, we hope that's the case, but I've said this on another podcast before. I was never a Drew Locke guy, but then people were like, oh, they surrounded him with weapons. And I was like, okay, yeah, maybe. And then now, I, now I'm very much garbage surrounded with weapons is still garbage. And I'm not sure that Zach Wilson is garbage, and I hope he's not garbage. But I will put this out there that just because you surround someone with weapons doesn't magically make them a good quarterback. They still have to be able to play the position. Yeah. Very and that's my point. that's my slight hesitation with Zach Wilson, even though I've somewhat come around. It's still there were games that we saw where he played very poorly, and Mike White came oh, yeah. in with essentially the same offensive line and right. same weapons yeah, and completely outplayed him. It's and it was just like, <laughs> is Zach Wilson actually good at football? I'm not sure. And so that's where yeah. I struggle with my own trade. But ultimately, um, I personally, you know, don't hate it. But 
I do looking at David's trade and I will definitely let him talk to it, but I will say, I think I like it a little bit more than mine. That's my favorite of the three. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So with that, <laughs> go ahead, David, tell us what it is. All right. Uh, so, so mine is to send CMC Melvin Gordon, who we talked about earlier and Alan Robinson to team Michael Myers for Kyle Pitts. I think uh, not having to start a tight end despite the tight end premium is going to maybe knock down his value a little bit. And I have him ranked in the same elite tier as the elite wide receivers. What he did as a, as a tight end rookie with over a thousand, over a thousand yards with that offense was nothing short of absolutely impressive. And is his prospect profile matches it, his draft capital, his, yeah, like I said, his rookie season, he's 21 years old. That's uh, I'm, I'm looking to get another core asset if I'm shipping away CMC. And he's going to be able to produce for you for a very long time. It's In my mind, it's almost like drafting Kelsey production in his peak at 22 years old now. So I think you'll be able to do it. It's a strong offer, in my opinion, sending CMC, Gordon, and A-Rob. Those are... Those are pretty substantial pieces for for pits and i think it'll be enough to get it done and then the tight end premium i was looking at the scoring of the the points people put up and uh you know mark andrews season was like one of the top scorers in here right so if you can get kyle pitts putting up you know anything similar to that this is going to be worth it because it's going to be sustainable for a long time you don't have the quarterback overpay you don't have the wide receiver overpay so I think it'll be enough to get done, but it all depends on how Myers views Kyle Pitts because he is a very, uh, very uh, polarizing guy. You're either absolutely head over heels with with him, like I am, or uh, or you just don't think he's anything like too great. Oh, one more thing with the touchdown numbers, the, those are going to come back up. It's just a matter of time. There's very few people that can DJ more their, their lives away like that. So it'll, it'll come back and he's huge, right? So he's He's going to be a red zone target Yeah, and it, yeah. it'll come back. Their quarterback situation will get figured out eventually. Marcus Mariota ain't it. Like he's, he probably, he might not have the greatest year this year, but they'll figure it out with someone eventually, whether that's two, three years down the road, it doesn't hardly even matter with your rebuild. Cause you got, you got Lance, you got Russell, you got Marquise Brown, who I'm a big fan of, and then Kyle Pitts would be another core asset. And then I would keep turning out those old guys as you can for either picks or youth whenever you can. Ideally picks because those typically accrue in value all the time. So, yeah, I don't know, Scott, if we necessarily need to add anything because I feel like David pretty much just summed it up. <laughs> I was just going to say, completely, but yes, 100%. I mean, I'll just say this, that, you know, pretty much anywhere I have Pitts, it's going to be really hard for me to trade him. I mean, it's, you know, it just, it just depends team dependent, right? Like if your team ended up being, you know, way better maybe than it should have been, uh, I guess would be maybe the only scenario, but even then I'm not, I'm not sure unless there's a massive overpay because mostly where I took him, I mean, my teams were bad and I'm, you know, I'm building something. Right. So I want him there. You know, I don't want to trade him away, but exactly. uh, at the same time, maybe this is a trade that just stays in the back of your mind. Something that maybe you just have a little chat about, you know, and, and we see as the season goes on, 
maybe there's an injury to Pitts, or maybe there's an opportunity where then you can buy, maybe you can make this move. Maybe that team, Michael Myers, is a, you know, second in points and is a contender and wants to make that move to put him over the top. And, you know, maybe then this trade can happen, right? So um, it just kind of depends on how things go. But that's that's definitely, especially anytime we're talking trades in, you know, May and June and July, when we don't have to set lineups and we're just trying to add value, um, you know, most other people are sharp enough to also want to be adding value too, right? Uh, and so if, if not, great. But if so, then sometimes we just have to wait until those situations where, you know, they, they need or want to do the trade to go after a championship. Because ultimately, if there's a roster where I can give up pits and win a championship, I'll probably do that. Um, you know, or I'd be more likely to do it, I should say. To add to your point, Scott, they also might be more likely to do it if they take the risk and CMC doesn't get injured and is coming back and putting up 25 points a game. And then you yes. may even be able to get away with saying like, all right, I'll give you CMC and A-Rob, but I'm holding on to Melvin Gordon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's Definitely. a good point to wait Definitely. for that in, in-season peak for CMC maybe. And then you'd really squeeze the max value out of them. For sure. Yeah, and there is some risk associated. So if you could get this trade done today, I would say go ahead and do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. if you can't get it done today, it may be time to revisit, uh, Stephen, when you do, in fact, get points from CMC or at least hopefully get points from CMC. I guess one more point. Do you guys think it's aggressive enough or not enough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that's, a- that's, that's the type of trait. I mean, that's going to like temporarily set you back sure but you're not going to win right now anyway so that's going to accelerate your eventual winning it's more of a retool than a rebuild in the sense that like now you're not just sitting on a bunch of picks like you actually have a real asset that's going to grow in value that is also young and is also going to produce so yeah i totally yeah 100 yeah i like coming out hot because uh if you if you lowball someone it can really stall negotiations sometimes so if you if you yeah. really want a player, come out come out guns there, blazing. There's there should be enough. That's uh, the opposite of the CMC. Andrew Hall, by the way. Andrew has uh, talked before on this podcast about he how he does not come out guns blazing. So it's a little. Well, different I don't always philosophy. do it, but <laughs> for for a guy like Pitts, I think you got. I don't. For a guy like yes. Pitts, you have to. There's no other way because if they roster Pitts and still have them on their roster and haven't you know traded him away or the one to trade for him. To your points, I know people who are like, yeah, you have to give me like all of your firstborn children plus like your will, your mortal soul for Kyle Pitts. So you have to do this. Um, That said, we are going to start wrapping up for the night just because it's starting to get pretty late. And frankly, I think I'm getting tired, even though I could talk to you guys for another hour or so just because we have had a lot of great information. Yeah, this has been fun. And David, if you don't mind, tell our listeners again where they can find you and make sure you include your accomplishments in there. <laughs> well, you can find me on Twitter at davidzock 16 And uh, I write with Fantasy Pros and Dynasty Nerds and, and I put a lot of free stuff out on Twitter and I like to be competitive in the ranking scene, I'll say. so. By competitive, he means he's been number one at least once and is generally <laughs> rated pretty highly. So he's a good expert to follow if you're especially... 
Uh, this is my own tip, but if you're looking for help with start or sit decisions, looking at experts who rank highly in accuracy is a good way to help you make a decision yep. if you're really stuck. Yep. Um, so that is going to be the end of our show, but I wanted to make sure I gave out all of the handles. So I'm at Rec Fantasy, R-E-K-E-D and Fantasy. Scott Sidlow is at Scott underscore Sidlow. Our other hosts who are not on tonight is Dynasty. Uh, actually, you know what? I just realized I completely forgot Rocky's handle offhand. Is it Dynasty FF Addict? I always forget it. I'm the worst person to ask. Dynasty FF Addict. I'm pretty sure it's Dynasty FF Addict. Andrew Hall, I believe it's just Andrew Hall FF on Twitter. FF. Yep. The DAP network is at DAP underscore network. So very easy to remember. And please make sure that you subscribe to the whole network. We have a great number of shows on here and they're all well worth they're listening all to. All better than us. So <laughs> if you listen to us, you should be listening to them. That's and pretty much how it works. Also, to Scott's point about being better than us, uh, review the junkies, tell us how we can be doing better. And also just subscribe and rate. It helps us reach a larger audience and help more people find trades in their leagues. With that, we appreciate you listening. And Scott? Hey, to all the homies in the chat, we appreciate you. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, thanks again to Mr. Steven Sear for finding me a trade. Um, definitely thank you so much, David Zach. Uh, David Zock, I'm sorry, for being on. That's See, right. I, I actually thought it was David Brent because I've been... <laughs> like watching the office so much i was like david brent's gonna be on this is incredible you know but uh thankfully it wasn't because we had this amazing model and analysis and knowledge tonight so i appreciate you so much for that yeah uh, thank so you guys for, for having me very much for so. david for bobby i'm scott errors and omissions blame andrew and rocky junkies out <laughs>